Thanks to Cabbage for supporting this episode of Industry Focus. Get the money you need to run your small business at cabbage.com and use the code FOOL, F-O-O-L, to get a $100 credit on your first loan statement. Offer ends November 30th, must take a $5,000 loan to qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. It's Monday, October 28th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. Joining me in the studio today, on location at the Money 2020 conference there in lovely Las Vegas, Mr. Matt Frankel. Matt, how's everything going out there in Las Vegas? Pretty good. It's actually kind of colder than it normally is out here. Oh, really? It was about 45 degrees when I walked to the conference. Wow. Well, so how long have you been out there? I got in yesterday about noon. Okay, so how long will you be there? I'm actually staying here all week. Um, the conference only lasts through Wednesday, but my wife is flying out, and we're going to have kind of a much-needed break from the kiddos. Oh, very, very good. All right, good smart move there. Yeah, leverage the uh, <laughs> leverage the work that's already being done. I like that. All right, well, on today's financial show, we're going to get into a couple of earnings reports. Uh, we're going to see what Matt's up to at this year's Money 2020 conference. We're going to talk about... Um, a couple of more of the the last stock you bought and why, and uh, we have some stocks to watch. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and get things kicked off here with uh, earnings. And last week, uh, one of our favorite companies here to cover, Visa, uh, reported uh, earnings, and that was their uh, fourth quarter of the year. So wrapping up the fiscal year for Visa. And I tell you, going through the release there, Matt, looking at the the numbers and going through the call. I mean, for me, when I look at it, when I look at it, it, Visa and how they're doing, I mean, it's more about finding red flags or concerns because I mean, this is a fairly large business at this point, pretty predictable as far as what they're doing and the numbers that they'll be chalking up. Um, and those numbers are good. I mean, revenue was up 13% for the quarter. Uh, total transactions were up um, 11% from a year ago. Payments volume up, cross-border payments up. I mean, it seems like they continue to do the things that we expect them to do. Uh, but wonder if there's anything that stood out in the quarter to you. Well, the thing you've been talking about for since I've known you at least is the dividend, and Visa finally gave a dividend increase. Hey a now. Big, yeah, I saw one. that. That was good. Yeah, they got a twenty percent increase, which is actually a little more aggressive than the revenue growth. You know, thirteen percent revenue growth, twenty percent dividend increase. So, from a shareholder's perspective, that's definitely what you would expect from a, a company that's kind of ma- getting to the more mature level, is they're kind of starting to prioritize shareholder payments instead of just growing and growing and growing. Um, it also tells you there's you know finite opportunities for them to invest, reinvest their money back into business. Um, so, that's definitely one thing that stood out to me. Um, Another thing to keep an eye on, expenses grew a little bit faster than revenue. Not necessarily in a bad way. Most of the increase was litigation charges. But another thing that stood out is marketing re- marketing expense went up by 16% year over year yeah. compared with just the 13% revenue growth. So when you're spending more money on marketing than the growth it's producing, that's something to keep an eye on. Not necessarily a cause for concern, like I said, because it's definitely – 
translating into growth in the right ways, but something to watch in the quarters ahead. Yeah, and to your point about the dividend, uh, I mean, I loved seeing that raise. I mean, they can obviously continue to raise it, and, and we, I think we both expect that they will. Um, to put some additional numbers around the, the, you know, what they're returning to shareholders. I mean, for the quarter, they returned two point seven billion dollars uh, to shareholders in the form of repurchases and dividends. And on that repurchase uh, point, it is it is something to note. I mean, the share count is down. 20% since 2014. So I mean that always really is I think part of the that's part of the thesis in investing in I think Mastercard or Visa is you know that they're going to continue to use a lot of this cash that they generate not only to reinvest in the business but really to return value to shareholders in the form of repurchases and dividends. And as long as that share account keeps coming down, I mean that's really the point there. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I think we can always be at least critical of companies that buy back their shares. But first and foremost, let's make sure that that share count's coming down. It certainly looks like it is uh, in Visa's case. So nothing, nothing surprising there. Uh, one other thing I did want to note, because we had talked about this acquisition throughout the summer, this uh, acquisition of Earthport. Uh, Visa has reached full ownership of Earthport, and ultimately, this is going to open up more cross-border payment functionality. Uh, for the company, which really is, I think that's a big market opportunity. We're seeing Visa and Mastercard uh, making big investments in that space, uh, so that was encouraging to see as well. Uh, let's take a look at PayPal here, real quick. Another company we we love talking about. I think you you own shares, and I own shares, and probably a lot of our listeners out there own shares. Um, you know, a company I think to me, this is one I look at, and and I I feel like. Probably a lot of people are out there wondering, have they, you know, have I missed the boat on this? Is it just too late? And and I think that there's just no way you need you can look at it from that perspective. I mean, there is so much opportunity left for this company to capture. Um, so while it has been a tremendous performer for such a long period of time, there's nothing to say that it can't keep performing. And I think that given the trends that we know. Uh, in regard to uh, cash and how more people are looking to to spend in in other ways, uh, partnerships that PayPal is is reaching out and forming with other big players in the space. I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons uh, to believe that PayPal will be able to continue to grow meaningfully in the coming years. What uh, what here in this in this most recent quarter stood out to you uh, in regard to PayPal? Well, first, just a quick correction. I don't own PayPal right now. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I did. Oh, I, I used did. to. I, I've, I've said um, that I got PayPal shares in the eBay spinoff, um, but I sold them a little while a while ago, and um, I'm considering buying it again, which kind of <laughs> answers your Is there a lot of room to grow still? I think there definitely is. It's it's a stock that's on the top of my watch list. I just talk about it too much and to find an opportune time to add shares. <laughs> Um, you know, you know how that is. I do, I do. Um, but the big thing, there are two big things that stood out to me in PayPal's quarter. One, I mean, yes, their payment volume grew by twenty five percent, but I don't think that's the big news. The average number of transactions per active account was up nine percent. So not only are they adding new accounts, but the people who use PayPal, and here's where I think their biggest growth driver is going to be, are using it more and more for their everyday transactions. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, if, if you use your, if every PayPal users uses say 30 transactions in their account this year and 40 transactions next year, you know, that's 33% growth without, without even adding any new members. So yeah. that's a big opportunity. Everyone always wants to talk about just the total payment volume growth. 
but and the new members they're adding, which I mean, they added almost 10 million new active accounts in the quarter. That's nothing to really, you know, bat your eyelashes at. But um, and um, Venmo is the other thing I kind of wanted to get to. Venmo's they're in my opinion, I mean, in pretty much everyone's opinion, I think is their big growth opportunity. Um, 64% year over year growth in payment volume. That's, you know, insane. <laughs> and, and they still have a ways to go. I mean, when you, when you think of what you, what Venmo is currently used for mostly peer to peer payments, there's a few other ways you could use Venmo, but when you think of all the things that you could use Venmo for over, over the years, um, and just kind of, Kind of like I like I said with PayPal's main business, getting people to use their accounts more is also a huge opportunity for Venmo. Not just getting new new users and bringing you know old guys like me who don't use peer person to person payments <laughs> into their ecosystem, uh, which is definitely an opportunity. But to drive business by getting people who already use Venmo to use it even more, and it's you got you got a real nice network effect going that we're seeing play out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I I think when you look, you put some numbers around that, and we talk about the total payment volume, and that's always a good indicator of you know how big the network is and the opportunity that exists there. I mean, it was 179 billion dollars that flowed through the network over the quarter. Now Venmo drove more than 27 billion dollars of that, um, and like you said, that was up 64 percent. They ended the quarter with Venmo basically operating on a 400 million dollar annual revenue run rate. So I mean, this is a business that is starting to become more meaningful to PayPal. It is something, I mean, to your point, I think they've captured a very important generation of spenders in, in younger spenders who have uh, really uh, embraced that Venmo relationship and using it. So, I mean, you can see as the years goes on, I mean, it, it's going to be, as the years go on, it's going to be very reasonable to assume that I mean, they're going to be throwing a few more transactions in there uh, on, a, on a yearly basis. And so, yeah, without even growing the user base, you can still really grow the engagement there by just seeing some more transactions uh, taking place. And, and I think that's why it's so important for these relationships that PayPal continues to focus on. And we saw they've uh, tied up with American Express now, so where uh, you can use PayPal and Venmo to actually split bills uh, in partnership with American Express. You can actually use American Express points wherever PayPal and Venmo are accepted. Uh, or in most places, at least it sounds like. So, I mean, you're going to see, I think, more and more of those types of relationships in the future. As uh, you know, PayPal and management are very good about saying, hey, "Listen, we're not trying to disrupt and throw this whole system into chaos. It's just they're trying to make it better." And along the way, they're forming partnerships with the most important players in the in the market there. Um, and then, kind of a wild card. It's a little bit further out, but one thing to keep in mind is this: uh, the GoPay deal, right? Uh, PayPal has. A seventy percent interest in GoPay now in China. That's going to open them up uh, to to being able to accept payment uh, processing and in performing other services in in China, which is is going to be obviously a very big market. Uh, so that I think is going to be a big tailwind that it'll play out probably a little bit further down the road. But but one to keep in mind as well as as you ask yourself, am I too late to this investment? And I think we we've probably made a pretty good case here that no, you're not too late, and it's still still got a lot of a lot of attractive qualities to it. 
um, for for folks uh, looking to throw uh, some shares into their portfolio. But Matt, let's talk about another company in this in this uh, space that you are very familiar with, in Green Dot. Now you're out at the Money Money Twenty uh, the Money Twenty Twenty event in Las Vegas. You just wrapped up a meeting with some folks there at Green Dot. Talk a little bit about what went on in this meeting. Yeah, well, they obviously can't address the stock price as, as much as I'd like them to, um, <laughs> which is, I'm sure, what our listeners are all wondering. Because I, I mean, the stock tanked over the past year. We're not, we won't sugarcoat it. Not the greatest year. But, not the greatest year. But the company still definitely believes long term in what it's doing. Is really willing to deal with the short term pain. Um, and the meeting I had was there's two sides to Green Dot's business that we, which we've talked about before. There's the banking side. Which um, the unlimited cash back account is the the new product that they they released not that long ago. We had uh, CEO Steve Street on the on the on the show talking about that. Um, they have an earnings re- report coming up next week, so they couldn't really get into that side of the business too much. They said we'll 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 find out more about it then. But on the other side of the business is banking as a service, where Green Dot's kind of a was kind of a pioneer in the space, and now it's a bunch of other competitors are springing up. Um, the Green Dot guy, the executives I talked to were actually surprised that there was a, a banking as a service panel at this conference that they weren't a part of. Huh. Um, so that kind of tells you just how big this is getting. So I, was, I had a few questions for them about how that side's going. Um, first of all, there, it's banking as a service or BAS. He corrected me. You, you abbreviated as BAS. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I made I made him tell me how to pronounce it so I wouldn't sound silly on here. Um <laughs> But so uh, if you're not familiar, Green Dot partners with some of the biggest names to create their banking infrastructure. Apple's one of them. If if you use Apple Pay Cash to send their person-to-person payment platform is powered by Green Dot's infrastructure, for one. Um, Intuit, if you get your TurboTax refund on a debit card, that's a Green Dot product. Um, or, or banking is a service product, rather. Uh, Uber is a big partner, which I'll get to a little bit more in a second. So Green Dot's big differentiator is they're they're the one that can really scare to scale to these enterprise level solutions. Um, a lot of the other banking as a service, they'll, they'll partner with smaller companies, but green dots, the only one who has any partners to the scale of like an Apple and Intuit, a, an Uber, things like that. Um, so they actually just announced, uh, not that long ago, a partnership with Wealthfront where that they're really excited about because it brings a whole new segment into their business. Um, green dots generally been a prepaid card company. So they, don't really go after the affluent side of the market. And that this kind of brings in that side of the consumer to their ecosystem, which is nice. Um, And one other thing that's uh, really interesting, we were talking about some of their big partners and if, you you know, if they're already partnered with, you know, Apple, Uber and Intuit, those are the three biggest companies in their respective industries. So a logical question is where does it go from here? Um, And they, interestingly, they, while I was speaking with them upstairs in the exhibit hall, Uber announced another new product that they're partnering with Green Dot on that integrates right into the Uber app for drivers and allows drivers to get paid in real time immediately after every ride. Oh, wow. Which, which that's really cool. Like, yeah, I mean, with the, the gig economy coming up, I was talking to them a lot about this, that there's a ton of opportunity for people who want it, who, or for, companies like like uber whose financial infrastructure hasn't really you know evolved it's still in the very early stages so 
they're calling this partnership Uber Money. I think I'm going to write something up about it for Fool.com a little later, so keep your eyes peeled. Um, but yeah, real-time earnings after every every drive. I mean, I I'm an, I'm an independent contractor, and I I have to still have to wait a few days to get paid for things. Oh yeah. So that'd be that'd be really cool. You know, I can write an article and the money shows up in my bank account two seconds later. Um, if anyone when anyone's listening, we can make that happen. But. <laughs> yeah. But but it's it's a really cool product, and this is just a really great example of not only what Green Dot does, but how existing partnerships can kind of be expanded into more and more new products as as the whole you know employment landscape, the technology landscape, all these things are evolving. Um, so they're really excited about that side of the business. He kind of hinted, he could, they can't really talk about you know upcoming announcements, obviously, but hinted that there's he definitely said that the pipeline of new partnerships has never been stronger. Um, and that there's a whole lot more to come in this and that they're really confident that over the long term they're doing things right and and we're all going to be very happy with it. Well, I mean that's a that's some that's some great insight there. I mean I do agree the power of the partnerships. Um I mean when you can plug into these big partners networks and, and Uber clearly is a big one. I mean there are a lot of people out there uh driving those cars around for Uber and for Lyft. Uh, I mean, just just a lot of opportunity there. So to see Green Dot in there, um, forging their 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 path in in that space is is encouraging, to say the least. And I think given the the tough year it's had, I mean, it's a good reminder. I mean, that that doesn't mean it's a bad business. They've gone through a tough stretch, but things can certainly get better. It sounds like management has their eyes on on some um, some good value creating relationships based on what you're saying. Definitely. And I mean, like you said, they partner with the biggest in the business. Uber is actually giving their keynote right now, which is why the press lounge is so quiet. <laughs> Everybody's there, including Dan Klein, who I'm sure we'll have something to talk about later in the week on industry focus with it. Um, so, yeah, when when they when they announced their new partnership, the, the PR guy, um, Green Dot's PR guy, immediately got a text and said, OK, now we can talk about it. <laughs> um, so right, right in the middle of the meeting, and I said, oh, that's where Dan is. So Dan is catching their announcement in real time and we'll have a lot more insight on that so kind of teasing his episode later in the week okay well before we continue we want to say thanks to cabbage for supporting this episode of industry focus if you own a small business then you know managing inventory covering payroll and doing a hundred other things before lunch is just an average day your time is valuable and getting the money you need shouldn't take up all of it that's why cabbage created a simple modern way for businesses to access up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of credit this is fintech people cabbage's application process is online you'll be done in a flash and they'll have a decision to you in minutes if your business qualifies you have access to your capital immediately and you can withdraw more funds whenever you need extra capital Cabbage has an A-plus business rating with the Better Business Bureau and has provided over 200,000 small businesses with access to funding. Now, I've grown up watching all sorts of friends start all sorts of businesses. Heck, I, I even worked at a bank and helped facilitate small business administration loans. And you want to talk about pulling teeth. It was a difficult process for what is the lifeblood of the small business. Thankfully, Cabbage is making that a problem of the past. Get the money you need to run your small business today. Go to cabbage.com and use the code FOOL, F-O-O-L, to get a $100 credit on your first loan statement. That's K-A-B-B. 
A-G-E.com. Offer ends November 30th, 2019. Must take a minimum $5,000 loan to qualify. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital are separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. All right, Matt, let's pick up where we left off on the last stock you bought because the tweets keep coming in, the emails keep coming in. People love telling us the last stock they bought and why. So we have a couple of emails this week. And first up, Aziz from Nova Scotia, Canada writes The last stock I bought is a small cap called Simulations Plus, ticker SLP. They specialize in clinical trial simulation software that predicts how the human body will react to potential drugs based on their chemical structure. As far as I can tell, they're the only company doing what they do. Well, Aziz, thanks so much for the email there and letting us know. And you know what? That actually sounds like a company I'd be interested in looking uh, into a little bit more for my augmented reality service. Simulation software is huge, and there may just be something there for the augmented reality service. So, if that turns out to be something worth uh, worth our time there in the service, I'll, may, I'll make sure to give you the credit for getting this thing on my radar. Uh, and then we have one more email from Adam. Adam writes, High industry focus, the last stock I bought was Pinterest. Ticker P-I-N-S. The reasoning can be summed up with three words in one stock comparison. Monthly active users. The comparison? Twitter has roughly 330 million monthly active users and has been stagnating. Pinterest has 300 million and is growing. Pinterest is a superior advertising platform and its market cap is less than half of Twitter. I think Pinterest will continue monetizing its very strong user base and will close the valuation gap within the next two years. It also happens to be the case that Pinterest share price has conveniently fallen on hard times, being lumped in with the rest of the 2019 IPO group. Thanks. And thank you, Adam. That was a great email. I like your case you're making there. And hey, you know, I, I'm I, the question I have with Twitter is what's their second act? I don't disagree with you at all there. I think Pinterest has a very compelling advertising platform. I wonder if there's a world where one day you see Pinterest and Twitter part of the same family. I don't know. I'm just just positing, you know, just speculation. No, nothing there. I don't. It could be something worth thinking about at least. Um, and hey, listen, your bold <laughs> prediction for this month. <laughs> That's the bold prediction for the month, right? And you know, we're loving this last stock you bought and why. So keep the emails coming at industryfocus at fool or hit us up on Twitter at mf industry focus. Let us know the last stock you bought and why. Okay, Matt, let's wrap the show up this week here with our one to watch. What is the stock you'll be watching here for this coming week? Uh, this is an unfortunate one to watch for me. It's it's Fitbit. I'm wearing one of them right now. The other <laughs> uh, two people I'm here at the conference with are also wearing Fitbits. And they just announced today that Google is in talks to acquire Fitbit, which I thought would have happened a long time ago. I owned the stock and I sold it not long ago because I was losing patience with it mm-hmm. and wanted to deploy my money somewhere else i thought the company wasn't doing a great job of you know getting its unlocking value if you will and um now it looks like they are so it's already up a little bit i think it's about five dollars a share now and if google actually does wind up buying it i think it will be for significantly more than that um this is this could let google compete with with apple in the smartwatch space a whole lot more effectively than fitbit can on its own so I'm watching this one closely. It could be a, a obviously a positive for Fitbit shareholders, but for people who own, who own Google as well, this is a big 
growth opportunity for them if they can if they with their resources. Yeah, that was a that was a good headline this morning. I uh, be interested to see how that all shakes out there. I'm a I'm an Alphabet shareholder. I'm not a Fitbit shareholder, so um, yeah, I could certainly see the benefits for Fitbit. Talk about plugging into big networks. I mean, obviously, Alphabet's one of the biggest ones <laughs> in the world. Uh, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. I'm going to be watching Mastercard uh, ticker MA, and they have earnings coming out Tuesday morning. Uh, nothing really specific to, to keep an eye on there. Again, I think when you go into companies like MasterCard and Visa, you're looking for more of the red flags or the concerns, maybe. And I think, Matt, you had mentioned something about Visa and uh, a little ramp up there in spending. You know, these businesses, they're very high margin businesses. They make the money, they can do that, and it all makes sense for the for the longer haul. Uh, but still, you know, keeping an eye on expenses there, looking at that cross-border opportunity that, that both Visa and MasterCard have been investing in. And, and I will be looking to see if MasterCard has anything to say specifically about this new Apple card, uh, because MasterCard is working in conjunction with Goldman Sachs and Apple to, to make this Apple card work. So, I'll just be fascinated to see if they actually uh, give us any data regarding the Apple card, its use, uh, card card members, balance, whatever that, that may be. Um, I just wonder if they'll give us some more information, but you know, Apple likes to really control a lot of that data and keep some of it close to the vest. So, I my expectations I think are tempered. Uh, but hey, listen, Matt. I know you are very busy out there in Las Vegas. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today, and I think we can count on next week bringing you back in here for the show to talk about all of the other stuff you've done here over the course of the next couple of days for the conference, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm sure. I'm sure it, in Vegas right now, this is just the beginning of the first day, so most of the big announcements and sessions are yet to come. So I'm sure I'll have a lot to talk about. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that and have a great rest of the time after the conference with your wife out there unplugging. Let the babysitters take care of the kids and you and your wife enjoy a a little quality time alone there. Oh, well, we will try. Okay. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Today's show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. We'll be right back.